I think there's some people who know their voice and there's some people who don't. And I think when you know your voice and you know what your message is and what you have to say, you don't want it to be diluted. Welcome to part two of our show with my friend, Jeremy Mangersheen. This is the Praying Medic Podcast, and I am your host, Praying Medic. If you're a new listener to the show, you can find articles, books, and all kinds of resources that'll help you grow in spiritual maturity on my website, www.prayingmedic.com. And now let's jump into this week's show. Talk to me about uh, developing your voice. Developing your voice is developing your voice is pivotal for moving forward in uh, releasing life, releasing revelation, releasing whatever it is God's put on your heart. Um, I, I think it's something that people develop uh, over time. It's also something that a lot of people could use to develop understanding of. Um, it's something that I struggled with early on. Um, I had always replay messages I'd heard from people who were very inspiring to me. Uh, I'd replay those messages in my mind mentally, mm -hmm. and I would sort of like try to act like them, try to sound like them, try to imitate you know their style, their message, whatever. And then, and it, it never came off very well. Um, I always kind of had this feeling like, well, that's that's not really who I am. It's not my message. It's not really my style. Mm -hmm. So I struggled for a long time uh, trying to find my own voice, my own message. And uh, it, it was a process for me. It took me a long time to shed all of the um, ideas I had about how I should write or how I should speak. But I'll tell you what, once you hone in on your unique message, your unique style of delivery for whatever the message is, man, it's, it's awesome. It's so good. I love seeing people hit their stride and really develop their own voice and their own message. I, I'm drawn to people who, are, who know who they are. And I believe that most people are. Some people are just more aware of it than others. I tend to connect with people just generally that are who they are, regardless of what that is. So if you're a geeky person, that's fine. I love geeky. Um, but just be who you are. If you're be, a, be an authentic geek, don't be a, a wannabe yeah, geek. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> if you're if you're a jock, if you're a genius, if you're a, you know whatever category that you know that, that people would put you in, I I don't care. I really really don't care. In fact, I enjoy that. There's certain endearing qualities about different kinds of people. Really, for me, the key is is are you in touch with yourself? And are you being real with me? Because if you're putting off a facade, I don't want a facade. That's, that's, that's unattractive. Um, and I think that same approach is very, very important with if you're developing a voice, if you're developing a platform, if you're trying to figure out how to release the message that God's given you or get in touch with what it is. It's very important that you be okay with yourself and don't put forth a facade because people smell that, whether they realize it or not. They, it's like a dog with an instinct. And they sniff it and they say, oh, I just I don't like that. It feels weird. And 
And uh, the church is a little bit behind the times in that, unfortunately, but I think it's changing rapidly. I think people are finally starting to realize that you don't have to sound like your favorite preacher. Um, you don't have to, you know, do the same song and dance or performance or, or whatever. Do what's natural to you. Do what feels right. Um, and you'll know. It's, it's funny because I think people have an innate sense within them of what feels natural and what doesn't. Yeah. If you find yourself doing something that just doesn't feel like you, then don't do it. Um, kind of like you and I were having that conversation the other day about writing and blogging. And I, I understand there are some things that it would benefit me to do. And I am doing more of those things, but I'm, I'll test it out to some extent right. and see if it feels natural. If it doesn't feel natural and if, if I can't get into the flow and if it doesn't feel right, I'll chop it off <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> that, again, speaks to everybody's unique uh, way of delivering their message, their unique way of communicating with people. Your way is not going to be my way. That's there, right. There are certain things I do that will help you to do, but there's um, the way that I do them is not going to be how you're going to do them. It, it goes full circle back to the <laughs> – to the writing a book thing, it's it's there's this there's this mentality these days uh, of the whole well everybody has a book in them. If I hear that one more time, I'm going to throw up. And here's why. <laughs> here's why because it's true. Everybody does have a book in them. Everybody's got far more than a book in them. People have an endless, uh, infinite uh, streams of living water flowing from within them, and have a lot to say. Uh, but it doesn't mean that you have to write a book. If you want to write a book, write a book. Write several books. Be empowered because uh, it will bless me. It will bless lots of people, and I encourage people to do that. It, it, more than I mean literally just before we got on here, someone emailed me about writing a book and asked me some questions, and it was fun because I said, do it. Do it. Do it. It's on your heart. Move forward with it. That's great. Um, but – there are also a million other ways to get stuff out there. Like for me, I really, really enjoy connecting with people. I feel like writing sometimes uh, limits me because I, f I like to flow. And I think video is going to end up being a pretty good medium for me to do that. I'm going to start exploring YouTube more. And, um, and instead of writing blogs, maybe doing video blogs and things like that, just because it's fun for me. It's, it's more natural. It feels more natural uh, than, than writing. Writing yeah, is a well, lot. Yeah, writing, well, writing is a lot more work. <laughs> you have to go through and <laughs> edit and kind of you know, go That's through right. the process of spell right. check and all the other stuff. T title of this podcast, Jeremy is Lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about a little bit about uh, that you just um, started up recently. Well, actually, not recently. It's been out there for a while because I went back to some of your older messages from last year. You have a blog, a personal blog, uh, jeremymangersheen.com. That's correct. And so you're doing some blogging there. People mm -hmm. can also find the Quitter's Manual there. Yeah, the Quitter's Manual as well as the Longest Bridge Across Water. Um, so talk to us about the Quitter's Manual. Revert back to a few minutes ago where I talked about uh, people asking me questions, and really even before that, just the amazing life-changing revelation of God um, rocking my world through discovering rest 
uh, healing my high blood pressure that I was medicated for and really being able to tap into and flow from a state of peace um, throughout life. And I mean, in today's world, there are so many people that are overwhelmed and stressed and uh, feeling uh, the pressures and the burdens of just a busy, berserk, crazy, chaotic world. And you know what? It's it's only getting crazier. Um, right. I love learning about the, the the things that Silicon Valley is creating and putting forth. And so I have a somewhat of a pretty good sense of where our world is headed. And guess what? We're only getting more and more and more hooked up and connected to technology. And, yeah, and our, our world's only going to get more and more busy. And there's a lot of opportunity for, uh, for, for kingdom people to help people realize the simplicity of Christ in you, hope of glory, because everything's moving around us so fast and we feel like we're caught up in it, but really we don't need to feel that way. And we're supposed to live a life of inner peace and mastery of life and not a reactional life, um, basically subservient to um, all these all these thoughts that come our way and flick us into um, chaotic spinning that becomes a cyclone. And before you know it, you're stressed out. You feel far from God when really the reality is you'll never be far from God. It's a very simple reminder. The Quitter's Manual is a really short book. I kept it short on purpose because if it's a book about helping people realize simplicity, it shouldn't be complicated. It should be quick. It should be keys. And it really isn't a formula either. And that's the funny thing about it. I call it a manual, but there is no manual. That's the funny thing. When you read it, you realize that I'm not, I'm not trying to give you a formula because the formula doesn't work. It just doesn't. Yeah, that's the Quitter's Manual right there. Okay. So talk to me a little bit more about perfectionism and how, perfectionism, it's, uh, how it's affected you. Perfectionism sucks. And the value it's, of perfectionism, if it has any. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there's too much, uh, too much of a redeeming quality in perfectionism. I, I think it's a dream killer. It's a creativity squelcher. Um, and it keeps people frozen. So I'll take you back to my childhood. Picture little Jeremy with a pencil and paper, let's say five years old. Little Jeremy loved to draw. Little Jeremy was really good at drawing and would draw things all day, every day, and would explore creativity and make cool things. And I was tapping into this gift that I had. It's, 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 I, can, I can see something and I can look at it and I can take a pencil or pen in my hand and I can make it look like that. I don't know how. I just do. Um, and so I utilized that at a young age, and it was fun, and I and I'd love to do it. Then I got into high school, and I became recognized a lot for my art. Well, actually, I got recognized a lot growing up, but it really started to get um, more so in high school um, when I would create pieces, and they would uh, be entered into art shows and win awards and things like that, and it stopped being fun for me because I put these expectations and I think uh, perfectionism is married is bedfellows with expectations. Right. 
you get this idea of what something has to be in your mind, and then you hold yourself hostage to um, the fact that it has to be perfectly like that. And really, since I told, I told you earlier that I see myself as an artist in life, like I see everything I do as art. It's, I see it as creation. I see it as, even if it's with people, I feel like connecting with a person is art more than a science. And um, It's a relational art. It's a relational art. And everything that you're creating, you're, you're pulling things and you're making things, you're pulling things into existence. So for me, I, I would put these standards on myself that were really stupid. I mean, they made uh, everything had to be perfect. And you being a creator yourself, you doing a book project, really at the end of the day, your book's never going to be perfect. At some point, you right. just have to. At some point, you just have to walk away and say, "I'm done. I'm done." Yeah. I just. You know. I think uh, somebody once said about writing the, the process of writing and editing and writing and editing and editing and trying to make it perfect. And they said at some point you just have to fling the beast out there and let people, you know, have it because you can edit. And and I went through this process with my first two books. You could edit a book forever. And no right. matter how many times you edit, no matter how many sets of eyes look at the manuscript, if you go through it again, you'll find more typos. You'll find some things that you could reword and change this sentence and move this around or add that to it. You could be continually forever editing and improving. And right. that's the whole perfectionism. That's that voice telling you it's not good enough. That's right. That's right. And when really um, anything you create is never fully finished. <laughs> there, there's no, there's no finishing point. And exactly. You know what really helped me? Here, here's, here's kind of a mind bender. Is that I started to view life, and especially as a series of projects, whether it's a book, whether it's a you know, a ministry or a business or whatever as a series of pieces, a series. And so I think sometimes we have our life and and we even look at our life in perfectionism. Like we, we, we head down this path and we see that we're headed towards this picture of perfection and we have to put everything in place perfectly. We can't make a mistake because you'll ruin the masterpiece. Well, it, it doesn't work that way. It, what it, how it works is you're, you're creating a bunch of little projects in life, whether it's relationships, whether it's a family, whether it's projects like books or whatever you do, and they all come together and make one giant masterpiece that's perfect because of what it is. And that's kind of like, you know, that's the big picture of perfectionism, I think. And then, But it also narrows down into little, little projects that you do. And, um, and so that's the way I look at things now. Is is that I'm I'm creating one big piece of art, which is my life. That's that's a really good way of looking at it. You know, uh, the Holy Spirit started speaking to me a few years ago, and I started to really give me an understanding of how this works in the last few months. There is this thing about expectations. The only way you can ever be disappointed is if you have an expectation. That's right. And what he was starting to tell me was. If you will not put expectations on other people or even on yourself, you will not be disappointed. Yeah. Which doesn't mean that you should never aspire to do things because having aspirations and having expectations are totally different things. I aspire to do a lot of different things, but I, at the end of the day, I can't put too strict of expectations on how that's going to look or what it's going to you know be when it's done because that if you do that you you stifle the creativity process 
you uh, kind of confine the Holy Spirit as to what he can and can't do with you. If you start putting your expectations on something, it has to meet those expectations. If it doesn't, it's a failure. It's not good enough. It's not what you really wanted. It's not what you envisioned. And, uh, you know, God can do so much more with us and through us if we take our expectations off and allow him to basically bring his dreams for us to fruition through us. That's right. That's exactly right. My my amazing friend and guy I go to India with, his name is Dave, he says it like this. He says, don't be limited to the confines of your own expectations. Right. And and, exactly. and that's that's exactly what you said. It's like um it's we, we get this picture in our head and we get ourselves built built up and I think somewhere we 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 having vision is a must. I believe we need to have vision. But vision is different than maybe formula, and it's right. different. And it's funny. I was watching actually a documentary last night on Silicon Valley, and this guy who, uh, a venture capitalist who created some gigantic company that you know created these uh, inventions years ago that we now use in everyday life that make the world turn basically. Right. And, and he he made a statement. He said, you know, companies very rarely. Uh, do anything that they say in the business plan, and he's talking about startup companies, <laughs> right? You know, and 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 to me, that's I find so much peace in that because that's these guys. These are these big dreaming guys that create things that like like personal crafts that you can go to space in, right? Pe- people that are doing that kind of stuff. I mean, that's that's the kind of realm I want to think in. That's right. the kind of that's the kind of big thinking that I want to operate in, and so. I think there's something to be said for, you know, having an outline, having vision, and even having a plan. But just know that your plan is gonna get messed up. You're gonna do things that you had, you didn't account for, and you just gotta be okay with that. And I think that's hard sometimes for people because if you can't flow, then you're gonna be frustrated. And that's the that's walking with God too. You know, the other yep. day the other day he was he just, he gives me little teaching examples all the time. And I was sitting on my um, sofa, and he said, um, what did he say? He said, draw five points on your hand and connect them, because I didn't have anything else to write on. And so I drew, <laughs> I drew five points, and I connected them, and I made a pattern, and he just kind of chuckled. He's like, I wanted to see what you would make, because I didn't tell you how you need – I told you that I wanted five points, but I didn't tell you exactly how to do it. Right. And I think that's in his nature so often. Is right. he might he might put something in your heart, he might say, uh, write a book or do this or do that. And then you have so much freedom <laughs> in, yeah. in 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 the variables of where it could go and what it could look like and, and yeah. Jesse Berkey and I were talking yesterday about that exact oh, thing. Oh man, I, we gotta end this interview. <laughs> you associate with Jesse, we can't be friends. I know. I know. Well, hey, what can I say? I'm a medic and he's a medic, so we're joined at the at the hip. I love Jesse. He's a great guy. He's awesome. I'm going to have him on. Uh, I think I might be interviewing him for a podcast tomorrow, actually, maybe, if he's not working. Either tomorrow or Thursday, I'm not sure. But anyway. Well, hey, look. Well, well, everybody has to have a second best podcast. I know. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, well, I, hope I hope your viewers understand my heart because – Yes. Okay. <laughs> Or your listeners. You know, I was a little bit disappointed when you and Jesse and I started talking about doing the the conference Mm -hmm. thing. 
when Tyler couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really would love to get together with you guys sometime and do uh, some kind of a, a gathering where we could uh, hang out and do stuff. We'll make it happen, man. It'll be yeah, but Jesse was talking about um, that very thing on Voxer, of course. Uh, <laughs> dude, he, he's like, you got to get on Voxer, man. You got to get on Voxer. I'm like, like, just so you can bug me, you know, in the morning at night. He basically had somebody ask him if he felt like God had ordained him to have the current job that he has with the, uh, I think he's with Sarasota uh, Fire Department. Mm-hmm. He, he was working through the process of this, and he, he came to this conclusion that, that God has given him the passions and the desires and some talent and some gifts and has inspired him to do things, but has really left it up to him as to how he works that out in his life, as to where he chooses to do it, whether it's at a fire department or some other place or being a, a movie star or you know, being an author or <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> you know, and the, and I'm, this, I'm on the same page. You know, um, God has given me and you and all of us different gifts, talents, abilities, dreams, aspirations. And then he says, look, there's a whole bunch of open doors over there. Go pick one. Which, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. How do you want this to work? You know, God doesn't really sit down and tell me how I have to publish a book. That right now we're thinking about possibly taking the... Um, some of the InDesign work away from my wife and giving it to somebody else because it takes up a lot of her time. And she could be doing other things with her time, and she doesn't really enjoy doing it that much. I I may try to steal it from her and and do the InDesign work myself if she can teach me how to do it. I've done some of it, but not a lot of it. Um, How we do something, how we actually work out the things that God wants us to do, is I think is really completely up to us. He's not a control freak, not as much as people think he is. Yeah, I'm with you uh, 120%. And, you know, my third book that I'm working on right now is actually this whole thing. It's about the perfectionism. It's about – I have a working title right now, and I'm probably going to call it something else, but I ha- it's called The Other Side of Freedom. What the heck do you do once you realize you're free? Like what does it look to like walk in that kind of freedom? Because as far as I'm concerned, there's not a whole lot of teaching as far as how to handle this freedom, and I really, really want to help people with that. Um, and I'm with you and I'm with Jesse and that's my understanding. That's the way God's handled me, but it's almost the both and situation because I, I think we look for one or the other. Is it, right. is, is, does God just let us make all these decisions? I want to know, is it black or white or does God micromanage us? Which one is it? And I hear people teaching, uh, the, the freedom one and the micromanaging and they're like, which is it? And I say both and, and and here's why. When I first awakened, was awakened by the Holy Spirit, got to know him, he was very hands-on with me. He would, do, he would say, go left, go right, do this, do that. He treated me almost as if I were a child, as he should, because I was a little baby um, spiritually. Um, he was maturing me, and he was helping me. He was teaching me dependence on him. He was teaching me how to walk in intimacy with him. Right. But, but like any good father, I believe God wants us to develop into the person to where we can, he can say things like, what do you want to do, son? Make a decision. Uh, I will back you. I will back you. Do what you want to do or not do what you want to do. But like he'll, he'll, he'll ask you questions like that and lead you into coming up with the answers. And that's why I think it's important to kind of go through the funnel 
of intimacy with God. I think if we throw throw the teaching at everyone that you're just free and you can do whatever you want, there's truth to that. Like legally, you totally can. There's no condemnation. God's not going to be mad at you, but you might stumble a lot more. So I think if there was kind of like a foundation built in people to where they really get to know their voice, they get to know the voice of God, they find out who they are, they learn the basics of the ways of God and all this stuff, and then God will tutor them into uh, a training program of, of, of coming into this freedom. Otherwise, you might just have the legality of freedom in your mind, but really you're still a slave. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, so, absolutely. So I 100% am with, with you guys in that, and God, that's where God has me. Um, but I see other people, and I'm like, they're not ready for that kind of freedom. They'll kill themselves. Right. Oh, exactly. And I think, I think it is a process, and we're on, on a continuum where we start out needing him to guide us every single step and teach us and show us and all that. But then as you mature, th- there's – the how freedom is outworked changes and so you just brought up two subjects that i wanted to ask you about one is uh this teaching that you just talked about so here's my question if there's one teaching or concept about god that is common in the world and you could wave a magic wand and make it disappear what would it be that is a great question i don't know and here here's the thing I don't think in those terms. I really, really don't. Um, All right, let me let me I, rephrase the question. Have you ever been in, in like listening to a message? Oh, I got heard, it. I got and it. And you heard somebody it. say something that just so aggravated or irritated you at your core of who you are. You just like, I really wish people would stop saying that. Okay. Yes. 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 Let me revert backwards. There okay. is one teaching, and I hate it with a passion. <laughs> okay. There's, okay. What is it? I, I'm a very blunt person. I don't have soft words for it. It is the dark night of the soul. I absolutely hate that teaching. Sorry, people, if that offends you. We can still be friends if you want to have a dark night of the soul. I still love you. People tried to instill that in me when I first got to know the Lord, and I just wasn't having it because I'm like, wait, you can't pull the wool over my eyes with this kind of stuff because I know this guy. This guy will never go silent on me. He never hides himself from me. Period. And that's the cool thing about knowing God is that for me, like I got to know God before I learned a lot of the teachings that I hold steadfast in right now. I call it backwards revelation. Pretty much anything that I live by now, and this is hard for a lot of Christians because, I mean, really, you could throw the the Bible legal rule book at me and convict me and throw me in spiritual prison if you wanted to. But uh, I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not wearing that kind of condemnation. But God always teaches me things and shows me things or lets me experience things before I get the understanding for what they are. I don't know if that's for everybody, but that's the way he works with me. I got to know this God of grace. I got to know this God of intimacy before I understood necessarily the scriptural backing behind the teaching. But so when I heard the teachings, I'm just like, okay, that's great. That makes sense. Okay, yeah, okay, I'm with you. Yeah, I think uh, I like what Chris Valentin said. If you ever run into a point in your life where you think God's not speaking to you anymore, tune into a different frequency because He has not stopped speaking. You have stopped hearing Him, 
in the language and the frequency that he's trying to speak to you in. So that's, he's trying to stretch you and get you to hear him in a different way. That's exactly right. That's, that, if you want to believe that you have a dark night of the soul, then you're going to have one. Most of the people that I know, and it's really just a couple that, that, that kind of want to instill that teaching in people, they're some of the most depressed people I've ever met in my life, and they struggle with actual depression, like nonstop. It's funny, Tyler Johnson just put out a podcast on this the other day, and uh, he went after that, and I, I, I high-fived him for it because <laughs> um, I just I can't stand that teaching. It, 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 I just can't. It, I don't have any problem if people want to teach it. I'm just not going to listen to it. I, I'm not the guy. I, I, I don't – I have a very strong opinion on a lot of things, and I used to be really good at tearing things down. But I have no desire to tear anybody down, even people that I adamantly disagree with. I'm just not going to listen to you, and I'm going to just encourage people. And so um, whether it disappears or not, I don't really care because yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to I'm just going to speak louder about the goodness of God. <laughs> that, that is a really good message. So you said that life can be sort of a series of projects. Mm-hmm. which sort of come together to make this big masterpiece, which is your life. Mm-hmm. Do you have a big project for 2015? Uh, yeah, a book that basically describes all this stuff. <laughs> and and it's it, good it, now that we know that your third book is going to be about. I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, I think the way I, the way I work is um, I create things like books. I, I see – if I like, let's say I were a businessman, and this is different than business. I see holes in the market, right? So I see, I see things that people really, really, really need to hear, right? And I want to help them, so I create something because I'm like, here, this this could really benefit you. And so I see a lot of people running around learning that they're free and not knowing what to do about it, right. because there's there there's like a horde of really good teachers. That I've that I'm so thankful for uh, prescribing freedom to people, but there's very few people, if any, that can help people from that point on. Right, great, you're free now. What do you do with it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you go call, drive your car over a cliff and you know ruin yourself because there's no more fences. I mean, call call it personal <laughs> development, call it spiritual personal development, and that's really, you know, people ask me what I do. We have a ministry here in New Orleans. We have a lot of uh, activities to, to help people. Um, but I spend a lot of my time, uh, God brings people to me or me to them, usually them to me, um, a certain type of person typically, and that's people who are entrepreneurial and uh, kind of go-getters. They need guidance and confidential advisory in their life and consulting into how to kind of get clarity um, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, also physically, in order to continue to crush it in life. I mean, kind of as you and I talked about the other day, there's different people in different places uh, on kind of the pendulum or the of, of awakening to who God is in them and who they are. And I believe different people need different things based on where they're at. And they need different kind of people in their lives that are gifted to help them in different areas of their life. And, and, I, and I discovered that in my life, my direct one-on-one time 
is best served and I connect better with people um, that are in that particular phase of their life and are kind of they kind of need that guidance to go forward and to continue to do what they're already doing. Um, but there's also people that maybe they're kind of just at the beginning of awakening to God and, you know, maybe really aren't uh, too actively engaged in their spiritual and personal development. They need a different kind of approach. They need a little bit more hand-holding. They need more guidance. Uh, they need, you know, the more lovey-dovey stuff. And I'm, and I'm a very relational person, but I'm also a doer. And I'm also... <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I connect with people who are doers and dreamers. And yeah. really, I get to help people dream. I get to help people uh, further catapult into life. I was with somebody yesterday, and um, he was kind of thanking me. He's a very successful person. He was kind of thanking me for investing in him or whatever. And I'm like, are you crazy? I get to see your dreams come true. Like, I get to walk with you through you uh, walking in the fullness of who you are and, and seeing your dreams come into fruition. Does it get any better than that? I mean, it's so much fun for me. So, yeah, I'm starting to see the same thing. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of one of those people who I tend to find a lot of people who are uh, just awakening to the freedom of the kingdom and they're trying to, they're getting out of religion and some of them are just getting out of religion and into relationship, and others have been there for a while, but they're they're looking for some more, you know, direction and revelation and stuff. I do. I tend to speak to those people a lot more, and it can be very frustrating because um, some people will go right back into religion once you know they get a taste of freedom, and they think, "Wow, this is kind of scary." A, there are some people who have a real hard time actually where the rubber meets the road, taking off and making this stuff happen and, and actually doing the things they're supposed to be doing. Right. Like you can see in somebody the talents and the gifts and the dreams that God has given them, and you can encourage and coach them and uh, give them, you know, affirm what they should be doing, and yet they'll sit there and do and won't do anything to make it go forward. They won't take any steps. They're not going out <laughs> doing the stuff. They're not writing. They're not journaling. They're not... And it, it gets very frustrating sometimes when you and I have talked about this with people who, you know, buy a book and read it and then they just go and buy another book and read it and buy another book and buy another book and buy another book and read it. And they never apply any of what they're learning. Yeah. They don't actually take it to heart. It's, it doesn't transform their life. It's just another book. They're filling yeah. their head with knowledge, but they don't, it doesn't actually have any, any manifestation in their life. And that's really frustrating. So like you, a couple of months ago, I just... This is a new thing for me. You've been doing it for a while, but it's new for me. Is I've I found myself in this sphere of people who are really super interested in doing stuff. They want to manifest the kingdom in all the stuff to do at work, personal life, you know, at the gym, wherever they are. They want to see, you know, Jesus go out and be Jesus to people. And uh, when you get around people who are actually interested and are actually starting to successfully do this, it's amazing. And now I'm getting to the place where you are. I'm like, wow, man, I'm with this group of people who are just, they get it. They totally get it. And they're doing it and they're growing. And yeah, they make some mistakes and they fall down. Mm -hmm. But um, it's, it's so awesome to be finally connected to some people who are consistently just nailing it on a daily basis. 
And those are the people I really I, I love encouraging them and, and uh, helping them out. Yeah. Have you ever heard the 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 saying "You are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with"? No. Well, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably some truth to it, though. There, there really is, and you know, it's it's tough because the whole loving like Jesus, the whole caring for people. We do homeless outreach and things like that here in New Orleans. We we spend time with people that maybe aren't you know, anywhere close to walking with God or to being um, actively engaged in their spiritual development and growth and things like that. So you never, ever, ever want to turn your back on people that aren't growing and walking with God. Um, right. But there's so much to be said about aligning yourself with people that are moving forward if you're a person that wants to move forward. And it's okay if people aren't ready for that. It's okay if they want to be stagnant in life. But here's the thing with me personally. I'm not a stagnant person. I'm never going to be a stagnant person. Uh, fortunately, I have an amazing wife who feels the same way. And you know, we never hinder each other and we're always moving forward together. And it's really fun to connect and align yourself with people who not only want to do the same, but don't necessarily want to hold you back. Because right. a lot of people, and I don't know whether it's just in general or whether it's in the church or whatever, when they see someone developing, it, they're so comfortable with that person being who they were, and they don't realize it, but maybe they hinder their progress. Yeah, <laughs> when, it's, the, when, it's the crab bucket mentality. Oh, that's true. The crab's coming out, and so you, yeah. Grab the crab. Hey, you're not getting out of here. Get, come back down here. And yeah, some people really don't like it when you start to succeed and you start to grow and walk in a greater revelation, a greater knowledge of who God is. It makes other people uncomfortable because right. you're changing and you're growing, and maybe they're not. That's right. And I don't know if you see this or not, but like the response I get uh, from people who read my book, I get, I, I mean, I get a kind of a myriad of different responses, but I'll generalize it into two categories. I get the, and I've had this quote twice from people, oh, you sure have invoked jealousy in me. So let's call the, <laughs> let's call those, let's call those, well, let's call those the jealous bunch. And then there's the, the other side that says, you know what? This is awesome. Me too. Me too. Yeah. And we'll call those the me too's. I just made that up. So um, there are those that hear something, they hear a story, they hear what's possible in God, they hear what's possible in life, and they say, you know what, I can do that, I have the same God, I'm just as capable as you are, you're no smarter than I am, Jeremy, you know whatever, and I'm like, you're, you're darn straight, you know, I have no advantage that you don't have, so, and there are people that think that way, and they go out and they grab the, grab the bull by the horns, and they do stuff, and then there's the... There's the, uh, the jealous people who want to see their disadvantages and they want to see what they don't have and they want to you know, just make excuses in life and don't want to make decisions and be decisive and freedom scares the hell out of them. And you know what? Yeah. That's, that's okay. You know, those people need to be loved. Those people don't need to be condemned. They need to be, we need to honor them and be kind to them. But at some point, you just kind of got to let those people be. And so for me... 
I'll talk to anybody, but really I want to help people that want to be helped. And it's, it's nice if people in a different spot want to buy the book, but I'm not looking to make money off of people. I'm looking to help people. You know, <laughs> I, right. I, I really just, I really want to see people experience the fullness of life and tap into themselves, tap into God and enjoy the crazy adventure that is life. Yeah, I, I, I get you. And I'm, I'm, I have exactly the same experience. And, you know, I'm very intentional in my storytelling about the things that God does with me to tell people up front in my books, look, I am not <laughs> a super spiritual person. I work a regular job. Like for the last five or six years, I've worked 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I don't <laughs> go to conferences and spend three hours soaking in God's presence. I don't go to, you know, church three times a week and, you know, hang out in the glory. I don't go to glory parties. I don't, I, because I want everyone to know, look, this is possible for anyone. If you pursue this, you can do the same things Jeremy's doing and Tyler's doing and I'm doing and all these other guys are doing. They're, they're, we're, not, we're not special. We're not a special class of people. We don't have a special anointing that nobody else has. I, I go out of my way to tell people, look, anyone can do this. And yet I still get the same two responses. You get all these people who say, wow, you really provoked me to jealousy. Wow, that's, that's, that's really awesome and cool. I wish God could do that for me. And then you get the people who are like, wow, I am totally going to do this. You just showed me how it can be done. I'm going to go after this. That's right. And uh, yeah, like you, you said, I, I don't condemn the people who feel like they can't do it. But I just want them to realize, look, you can do this. This is legal for everyone. We don't have any advantage over you other than we're actually stepping out. We're laying hands on people and and we're taking chances and we're, you know, putting a little, you know, taking some risk here and there. Yeah. So no, that, that, that's right. It's like, you know, you talked about healing. Uh, I just heard it was possible. And I think I read about John G. Lake and uh, and I didn't. I did not know a single person in the world personally that was healing people. And God's Neither like, did I. yeah, just go heal people. And it happened. Yeah. <laughs> I watched a couple of Todd White videos and I thought, man, that's crazy. <laughs> He's doing that stuff. I'm like, I got to go try that. <laughs> and it right. worked. Well, it's the same with writing a book or writing or, or creating a blog that gets a lot of traffic. I mean, it's the same mentality. Yeah. And and I think we over spiritualize it, and I don't mean to take away take credit away from over spiritual you know from the spiritual life, but excuses are excuses, and there are people people with mental blocks and and uh, limited thinking is yeah. what it is. It's yeah. all the reasons why you can't do something when really almost none of those reasons are really reality. It's true. One of the things that I'm going to take head on in my next book on seeing in the spirit. Uh, is is to destroy some mindsets and some religious beliefs that only certain people have the gift of seeing in the spirit that it's a special anointing or a special impartation or it's you know it's a special gift that only certain people get. I absolutely do not believe that's true. I think it's possible for anyone to see visions. I'm going to do everything I can in this book to destroy all the myths and misconceptions people have about that, that particular thing, because I really do believe that anyone can see in the spirit because I never saw visions and neither did my wife until recently. Mm -hmm. We went through this process where we developed 
in our spiritual eyes, and I think anyone can do it. But there, you said people tend to over-spiritualize this. I think it's true. I think people want to because they can't or they because they aren't seeing something happen. They have to come up with a reason why it's not happening. Right. Well, I don't have the gift. Or, you know, I don't have the anointing or whatever. There's these reasons, and they're, they're, they're not true. Right. Um, <clears throat> if you persist and if you go after these things, they, you will see them happen eventually. So you mentioned your amazing wife. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, what do you and Shannon like to do as a couple uh, to, you know, kind of keep your, uh, your marriage going in the right direction? Shannon and I genuinely enjoy one another. We were drawn to one another, I don't know how many years we've been married, 2007, was that seven years, eight years, something like hmm. that? That's um, the same, uh, same year we got married. So it was a good year. It was a good year. That was our year of Jubilee. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We, we connected, uh, I was, I don't know how old I was, 21, she was 25, so... Married an older woman, which I love that. It works. Uh, me too. It works for I, us. My wife's a cradle robber, and uh, that's right. I'm really happy about that. I, I call her a cougar. <laughs> <laughs> but we connected uh, relationally early on, and we um, we spent a lot of time together, getting to know one another, talking, and um, we 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 realized that I mean she's a beautiful woman, so I mean there's a lot of physical attraction. She's gorgeous. That's a given. But we connected on a deeper level. Because of that, we found that we're really, really good friends. And even now to this day, my favorite thing to do is to go on dates with her and just spend time together, talking, connecting, find out what's going on with her, um, share what's going on with me, whatever. Just, just spend time together, even if it's just going to get coffee, going to dinner, whatever um it's it's not a duty I, I don't ever feel like i i always look forward to being with her always i look forward to coming home at the end of the day to her and my boys and it, i credit her for most of that i mean it's she she's an amazing woman who here's her here's her magic elixir ready she knows who she is and she's secure in herself more so than any other person I've seen walk the planet Earth. And it's profound, and that gives her the ability to love me and our family and other people with zero agenda. I've never seen anything like it, and anybody who knows her would say the same thing. There's nobody that would say anything otherwise. And I think because of that, we're just a good team. And I credit her for all that, really. I mean, I'm just kind of along for the ride. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm joking about that. But we, um, we're, we're completely different, and we're okay with that. We appreciate one another. So I think because of that, we're a team. We work to our strengths. So she's very organized and detailed. I'm, you put me in charge of details, we're going to be in big trouble. So just things like that. And here's the one key. Here's here, here's the biggest key that when anybody asks for marriage advice, I don't claim to have any advice to give, but this is the one thing that I give that works for us because we hear I hear that the main things that couples fight over are sex, money, 
and in-laws. <laughs> Two of those, well, really all three, I feel like are taken care of with this. It's that with her and I, we discovered somewhere along the way that we had an unspoken rule that we never put in place, but we both just kind of operated by. And it was so awesome because it kept us from fighting over the stupidest little things. And that is we take each other into consideration on the smallest things and the biggest things. So whether it's like, let's say money, for example, whether it's spending $10 or $10,000, which I don't have the ability to spend that, by the way. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Um, the first thought in my mind is, would Shannon be okay with this? What? How would it affect her? Usually I ask and just be like, are you cool with this? Yeah, I'm cool with this. And uh, But but it's even just the mindset of, of saying, how does this affect the other person? And then here's, here, here's the key. If we can't agree on it, if we can't agree on something, it's not worth it. Right. So, like, if I bring something to her and she's so awesome, usually she's just like, yeah, go ahead, you know, because we just have this built in. The, the, the first key takes care of the second one because by the time you even bring it to the person, you've already run it through your filter of how would they feel about it. So if you actually bring it to them, then it's usually a passable request anyways. You, you understand what I'm saying? So, yep. Um, but if for some reason the other one's like, no, you know, for some reason it just doesn't feel right. You know, I feel like the Lord's saying something different, or I just don't like that idea, or I don't feel good about that. Then the response is, "Yeah, okay, cool. Then it's probably not worth it, so forget it. I choose you." <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting. You probably don't know this. That concept. When my wife and I um, first got married, we read a lot of books on marriage because we had both screwed up our marriages previously. So we read some really good books. And we actually took a class to learn how to become uh, mar- to facilitate marriage workshops mm-hmm. to help people with troubled marriages. One of the books that was uh, required for the class was Love Busters. Love Busters has a lot of good concepts in it, and it's got some really good um, observations about things, behaviors that we do that destroy love in, in uh, relationships. And one of them is called independent behavior. Independent behavior find as Anything that a person does, they either know or suspect that their spouse would disapprove of, mm-hmm. and yet they do it anyways. The danger with this independent behavior is if you look at marriage um, the way Jesus looks at marriage, where not only do the two become one, but you know Jesus said in John 17, I've pray that they would be one as we are one, like the body of Christ. The church is supposed to be one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus said I, 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 that the Father has given us the same glory he gave him that we might be one. Right. God giving us his glory is so that we might be one. Well, <clears throat> I don't think we really take this whole, the two shall become one thing, seriously enough, because when you become one as a couple, um, really can't engage in independent behavior anymore. And that's the one thing that a lot of people have a hard time with. It's, you know, it's like, look, you know, I'm going to go bowling and I'm going to leave my wife at home because I like to go bowling and she doesn't. If you're doing things that your wife doesn't like, doesn't approve of, and is putting you in a position where you're potentially going to you know, do something you shouldn't do in your marriage, you shouldn't be doing it. 
right. you should find you should find something else where you can you know be with your wife. Now, there's another book called uh, His Needs, Her Needs by Willard Harley, which goes into uh, the different emotional needs people have, and most men have a strong need to do things with their spouse. Um, recreational activity uh, with spouse is a really big thing for men, and a lot of the reasons why men want to engage in these recreational activities with hunting or bowling or going out to sports bars and watching football without their wives is what they really want. If they could get their wife to go along with them, they would probably prefer that, but a lot of wives won't do it. Uh, and then wives get involved in doing things without their husbands. And then you get into this whole thing where you're spending all this time away from each other doing recreational activities, and then you end up meeting men or women who like the same activities. And then you have, you know, extramarital affairs and stuff like that. The whole uh, concept of independent behavior is that it puts you at risk of eventually separating from your spouse. And one of the things that my wife and I do is the same thing you and Shannon do. Whenever I want to spend money on something or do something, go somewhere, I always think, you know, is this something that she would approve of? A lot of times I'll text or call her and say, hey, I'm thinking about getting this or I'm thinking about doing that. Oh, totally. What do you think? What totally. do you think? And if she she always has the right of refusal, she can say, nope, I don't think that's a good idea. And it's done. I don't do it. Won't buy it. It's just it's a, it's a done deal. We just do not engage in independent behavior. And some people will say, you know, well, you know, your wife wears the pants in the family. She has you wrapped around her fingers. You can't do anything without her permission. Well, the thing is. Um, she does the same thing for me. She doesn't go out and buy stuff. She doesn't go out, go places and, you know, things without consulting me and asking me or considering, you know, how I feel about it. Because if the two really do become one, you think as one, you act as one, you love as one, you spend money as one. And that really builds an amazing marriage. 100%. That's cool. It's cool to hear they all operate that way. Because, I mean, that's basically our kind of modus operandi. Um, it's, it's funny cause that leads to another, um, rabbit trail, but it's attached. Oh, and real fast before I say that, another thing that, I, that we do that I, that I don't necessarily say everyone should do, but it's benefited us. We go to bed at the same time. Every single night we go to bed yep. together. That's Absolutely. fun. I love Absolutely. that. It's yeah. just, I don't know what it is about it. It's just been very beneficial for us. And I, um, I'm not a small dude, um, I roll over every night and pin her down with my arm, and she's trapped, and I fall asleep in 15 <laughs> seconds, and she, she can't escape. <laughs> so, no, but but you mentioned about the independent behavior. So her and I had this discussion because I think as we develop in our marriage, um, I think we, we're more solidified in our oneness together as a team, so we – so we, I think we're doing a really good job of taking each other into consideration um, and things like that. But at the same time, we're developing interests that are outside of each other. And so like Shannon does a, a book club once a month. She does a, um, a women's gathering. I mean, she does a lot of stuff with women, and she's the leader because she's, she's a very strong leader. And so I love seeing her do that. That has nothing to do with me. My job with all that is to watch the, our boys. <laughs> right. But you support her ability to do that. Yeah. So, so therefore, that's not – I guess you would say that's not independent behavior. That's teamwork, right? I mean that's essentially right. – Exactly. Just, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm with you. 
Yeah, it's not that you don't do things together. It's that you're you, aligned. You're approving of and supporting what she's doing. Right. And she approves of and supports what you're doing. I mean, my wife and I are the same way. She has interests and hobbies that I don't actually, I'm not actually actively involved in, mm-hmm. but I'm doing things in the background to support what she's doing. Correct. And you, and you know, and you know that in your heart, where if there was any sort of resentment about the activity, you'd say, "Well, I'll just cut it off." It's, yeah. Yeah. That's and uh, our favorite thing to do is date night. Once a week, at least, we go out for dinner. Uh, that's our date night. We didn't get to date before we married. She lived on the other side of the country, and for me, and we were 3,000 miles apart, and we basically got married <laughs> before we got to date. So we have always had a tradition of doing date night, and I love it. She loves it. It was actually her idea. And we go out, talk, uh, dream, you know, have some good company. Sometimes we invite friends along. Uh, not usually. Most of the time, it's just the two of us. And uh, we're fortunate. We have some really awesome restaurants in the town we live in. Right downtown, there's all these different restaurants, and they're all packed every night. We just go down there and find a restaurant and have date night. And uh, it's a tradition we just love doing. Keeps the romance going. Yeah, I think I think I think being in a in a marriage. I say marriage could be the most amazing thing in the world, or it could be prison. You know, oh, absolutely. And fortunately, yeah. I've never experienced the latter, and. Um, well, I hope you never do. Yeah, I don't believe that I will. And I think it's because I have the life that I do and and really, I guess, the mindset that I have that we're in tandem on is that we're committed to having it not be a prison. And it's it's funny. It's like people don't realize there's lots of challenges. We face so many challenges. I mean, if I sat here and listed off to you my challenges, we, how much time you got, you know? Um, I, there's too much good that God's doing in life to give the challenges that I can't do anything about. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm tempted to ask you my next question. I'm debating about whether I should do it. I think I will. So That wasn't let, a very long debate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've been thinking about it for a while. So let's go behind the scenes for a minute, and I'm just going to ask you to give listeners a look at the process you went through or a process they may have to go through to be successful in one major area of their life that hasn't gotten breakthrough yet? Wow, that's an amazing question that um, with lack of preparation is hard to answer because I've never answered that direct question. I don't know why because I don't even know that, that I would say this is it, but I keep hearing the word decisiveness. So much of being successful in anything, especially from the standpoint of a free person like we talked about a little while ago is being decisive. I've realized with so many people, especially in the Christian world, everybody's scared to be decisive. And I I shouldn't say everybody. That's a generalization that's not fair. But hear what I'm saying. It's And I think it has to do with this definition of God, what it looks like to work in tandem and cooperation with God. I think it's, it's, it's an honest fear that you can't be decisive. Because God's got to decide everything for you. And what if you didn't hear God correctly? Or what if the prophetic word you received wasn't really a good word? Or what if, what if, what if? That's right. That's right. And how many prophetic words have zero actual detail? (laughs) I'm really getting tired of generic prophetic words. Hey, breakthrough's coming. It's coming. Okay, great. Hang in there. I'll keep looking around the corner. (laughs) Well, you're going to write a book. Okay, well... 
everybody's going to write a book, supposedly. How's that going to happen? Is God going to take a pen in my hand right here and like control it here and dictate all the words? Is he going to pull my laptop up and type the words for me? He might. He could. But chances are he's going to have you make a decision that you're going to write the book. And every day you're going to have to make the decision to be diligent and see it through. And every day you're going to have to decide to not believe the fear and the doubt and all the accusatory thoughts that are coming your way. I'm going to tell you that you suck and what you have to say isn't worth it and no one will read it or, or whatever. It's, it's all foolishness. It's all, it's all foolishness. And so, yeah. so much of it is decision. Being empowered to make decision um, is one of the most amazing things that I think the body of the Christ, the body of Christ is going to be walking in, in coming days and it's going to come with a lot of prophetic voices that empower them to, to be specific. Um, it, it, people, it's a slave mentality with God and with other people. It's keeping people dependent upon other people and keeping people as slaves to God when they're really sons, daughters, and heirs of the kingdom that are drawing from an unlimited resource pool of inheritance. That, right. I mean, that's that's what we have in Christ. And so we get to learn how to draw from that. And um, and there are times where maybe God says, you know, it's not time to be quite as decisive. But if you're walking in intimacy with God, then you know that and you know that, hey, I just need to chill out. But more often than not, it's make decisions, do things. You know, I spend a lot of time with people who do things. They crush it. I sat down with somebody yesterday this guy is killing it in life, creating companies that are doing awesome things, putting things in place. And I was just I was reflecting afterwards. I'm like, the only difference between him and somebody not doing anything is he's not afraid. He believes he can do it and he just takes action and just take an action. Just uh, whatever the project is, whatever the, th the thing of success, whether it's getting a new job, whether it's, you know. Uh, regaining a healthy marriage, whether it's writing a book, whatever the heck it is, um, it's not going to do itself. It's just not. <laughs> you know, I want you to pray that one of these days God's going to write a book for me. I'm just going to wake up in the morning and there's going to be my 80,000 word document on my computer that I didn't have to even write. He just wrote it for me. <laughs> Seriously. You, I mean, that, that's just not going to happen. No, it's and, not and that's happen. you know that's the thing that we have to wrap our minds around is God is not going to do stuff for us. He'll lead us. He'll give us the talents. He'll make the connections. He'll give us provide finances. But ultimately, we have to actually make the decision and take the steps and make it happen. That's exactly right. And, and I think sometimes it involves taking risk. Taking risk is right. And I think it's hard sometimes because people equate that they hear that and they equate that with striving. Um, on your own efforts and it's not at all it's not striving it's not operating outside of the grace of god it's it's just learning how to operate from the grace of god and realizing that the grace of god empowers you to do all that stuff and yeah. you're you're drawing from his wisdom you're drawing from his mind you're drawing from his power and his creativity and his ideas and you're you're co-creating with him we are most like God the Creator when we are in the act of creation ourselves. That's right. That's 100% mm. right. Did I, tell so you I had a, did I tell you I had a dream about you last night? No, do tell. 
<laughs> That's why I had to get up again at 2.30 or 3 o'clock this morning. Sorry about that. So in the dream, I was interviewing you. <laughs> that was it. That was the dream. Was the I dream? woke up like 2.45 and I could not get back to sleep. I've been up since then. That's about not the worth dream. waking up for. I know. What the heck? It's like I get now I'm talking to you in person. So okay, why did well, I need the dream? Well, okay. I, I've, been, I've just been gifted with the gift of interpretation. And I almost called you by your name, praying medic. The interpretation is is that today is all of your dreams, your number one dream in life to interview me is coming true. Sweet. And uh, I'm honored to be able to be the fulfillment of that. So, uh, On that note, I think we're going to have to wind this down. This has actually been a conversation I've been looking forward to for a long, long time. I'm going to be very interested to see... Um, the reaction that people have to this message. Hopefully it'll encourage a lot of people and uh, get some people thinking outside the box a little bit. Well, it'll, uh, there'll be the Me Too's and there'll be the, how about all Me Too's? That's what we want. I think everyone should be a Me Too. I do too. And I think there's more and more and more Me Too's and I think if the Me Too's do a good job of loving the, the, the jealous bunch then they'll see and they they need to they need to see but it, it's not going to be by pointing fingers or jabbing people or condemning yeah. or giving them a hard time it's just going to be hey look look what's possible look what's possible look what's possible yep. that's that's all we're doing we're just showing people what is possible it, it's possible for everyone that's right that's why a lot of the stuff like especially the longest bridge across water for me it's not a uh a, a how-to book it's not a it's not a a manual. It's a field guide. It's it's me saying, hey, look, I went and climbed Mount Everest or whatever. I went and explored the jungle. I'm just reporting back to you what I saw. Hey, guys, there's this really cool jungle. Hey, guys, there's this really cool mountain. I touched it. I was there. I climbed it. You know, I went through the jungle. There were snakes in there. There's, you know, trees and it's really, really neat. You should go check it out. You'll love it. <laughs> It'll change your life. It's Go and do likewise. That's right. Uh, com is one of your websites. Yeah. Go go to jeremymangershine.com. That essentially is a hub. That'll point you to my book pages. That'll point you to where you can connect with me via email, um, via social media. Uh, I love connecting with you guys, so feel free to, to make the connection so that we can get to know each other and continue this journey forward um, as a team. Are you on uh, any other social networks? Uh, you're on Twitter. I follow you on Twitter. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and I'm going to be focusing heavily on YouTube, I believe, this year. Cool. If I can get technical and figure out how to make it happen. <laughs> I'm already on there. I only have one video, though. Yeah, if I can figure out how to post links uh, below in this message, I'll put some links up there for you to follow uh, to how to find them. That'd be great. Oh, right and on. I'm, on Me I'm on MeWe. I don't want to. You are on MeWe. I'm on MeWe. I'm on MeWe, too. I know. <laughs> I like the it there. You're the maven of MeWe. I'm treating it like my VIP club. <laughs> well, I'm, gl I'm glad I can be a part. <laughs> thanks, thanks for removing the uh, red tape. Yeah, no worries, mate. And that will bring the second part of our interview with Jeremy to a close. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't been to my website, you might drop by and check out the articles I have there. If you have any questions or comments about the show, 
You can contact me at admin at prayingmedic.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at prayingmedic.com. I'd like to thank you again for dropping by. I hope you enjoyed the show.